Good morning, everybody. This is Mark Tackett again here at First Baptist Church, Santo, Texas, and John David Bedford with me. Good morning, John David. Good morning. Well, it's going to be a special day. Um, it is really, really cold. How cold is it? It's in the 20s. Um, I told Riley on her way to school, she was like, it's so cold. It's so cold. And I was like, Riley, it's going to be 30 degrees colder on Monday. Oh, I <laughs> she can't was imagine. Like, uh, when I walked in, John David was fussing about the cold, and I was really surprised because you like to play hockey. I do. What most people don't realize, and, and I'm not 100% sure on the temperature, um, but a hockey rink has no humidity. So they, they've got these giant fans in the back of the rink that they suck out all of the humidity. Otherwise, right. the ice fogs up, which is real fun if you're out on practice and the fans break. <laughs> you right. can't see anything. Um, right. But I think that it's at 40... 43 degrees somewhere around there um again not completely sure but it's somewhere around 43 degrees so it's it's a dry 43 and so it's really not as cold i mean you, you walk in there with you know a hoodie and some jeans and it's not too bad you don't right. need gloves or anything well john david grew up playing hockey and played as a young adult and now his kids are involved mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that how about Riley? Well, whatever you yeah, want to Yeah, so I, I started, I had a really good friend named Zach that, um, my best friend basically our entire childhood, um, and he, he played roller hockey, and so this is the late, mid to late 90s when, mm -hmm. you know, the Stars had just moved to Dallas, and they were instantly very successful, and so I started playing roller hockey, um, inline hockey when I was nine, and then started playing ice when the rink opened in Duncanville a couple years later, and right. then got an opportunity to play on the inaugural team for Midlothian High School. Um, won a couple of championships my freshman and sophomore year, so that was a ton of fun. And then um, I also got to play on the inaugural team at Dallas Baptist University. Wow. Um, and we won no games that season. Um, you had a lot of fun. It was there. a ton of fun, and then we ended up finishing above 500 the second season, which is incredible. I don't know how that even happened. But, uh, yeah, it was a ton of fun, and now – um, you know, of course, we watch a lot of a lot of stars hockey at the house, and Riley really enjoyed the playoff run in the spring or in the summer, I guess. And uh, and so she said she wanted to quit gymnastics and start playing hockey. And oh so man, she's she's a little hockey player now. Well, that's awesome. Well, uh, we're going to get into the Word of God today. It's going to be we're still in the Book of John. John is just phenomenal, and uh, we're going to be in Chapter Five and going to put John David on the spot a little bit. You know, in the world that we live in, uh, keep hearing this term, uh, cancel culture. And uh, there's one thing I'm here to say this morning, you will never, ever cancel Jesus Christ. I don't care what, what the world says or what uh, somebody really intellectual says, there will never be a cancellation of Jesus Christ. And uh, there will be a, a lot of the Bible says that in the end times, which I believe we're in, that there will be a lot of deception. And uh, anyway, so I am so thankful to be here today and have the opportunity to speak truth, which is the Word of God. And uh, what do you think about that, John David? I mean, I think that there is no greater calling in life um, outside of our families than to declare the Word of God and to speak His truth and to... Um, absorb that truth and um, yeah I agree I think it's 
there's no way we can do life without it. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I'm just really thankful. I'm, I am uh, just really thankful to get to do that. And uh, so this morning we're in John chapter 5. And in verse 24, it says, now this is uh, Jesus speaking, Jesus' own words. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Okay? Um, and so, John, I want to give you the opportunity this morning. I know that, that you profess Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and so that means that you, uh, you have heard the Lord's words and you believed him. And it says because of that, you have eternal life and you will not be condemned in that you have crossed over from death to life and you've actually dedicated your mm -hmm. life. Uh, you could do something different, but you have chosen to serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me about your experience and, and when did that happen and how did it happen? How, it, did, how did you come to not believe the Word of God? Yeah, so I'm not, I'm, I'll preface this by saying that um, I'm not a Calvinist. Um, I'll start there. I mean, I don't want to get into that, but I don't buy him. Anyways, but for me, I never really felt like there was any other option. Um, and so, why, why is that? Did you feel called? Did you feel the Lord working in your life, all of your life? Yes. And so, like, my mom's told me several times that, that when she was pregnant with me, she felt God tell her that, that I was his. Um, and you know, there's, there's one instance where when I was a toddler, I got out of my car seat, opened up the car door and was hanging on the car door going down the interstate. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I just look at, at certain moments in my life where I'm like, how in the world did, did I get through that? Um, and you know, so I, I just, from my, from my family, um, I've, I've never known a relative that did not know Jesus. Really? Um, I mean, that there, there, are, awesome. there are a few that sometimes I question their theology, but I love them. They profess, they profess to know Jesus and just the influence of Scripture and, and, and a faith-based culture in both my dad's family and my mom's family has been there. And so, so do you think God has honored that? Is that do you feel that, that, yeah, that I think, in your life, that part of who yeah. you are comes mm -hmm. from yes. their faith? Yes, and so... Especially, I didn't get this, we didn't see my mom's family all that much because they lived in Arkansas and some lived in various other parts of the country throughout times in my life. But, you know, for my dad's side of the family, you know, I, up until I was about four, we lived in, we lived in Oak Cliff and so did my, Mimi and my papa. And then we lived in Cedar Hill and Midlothian, but even throughout that, almost all of my my family was in Waco mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's, it's just very close. And, um, I spent a lot of time with my dad's parents and just the, the influence that, that those extremely godly people, um, Mimi, if you're watching this, I can't thank you enough for the impact you've had in my life. And, um, you know, those were kind of the first spiritual mentors that I had. And we're talking at four or five years old that, mm -hmm. that these people are pouring into my life. And so at six, um, Kind well, of, is that, explain it, that, pouring into your life, is that just by you observing them, or were they praying over you, or what? I mean, what? There, there's not a day, um, there probably hasn't been a day in my life from birth until graduation from high school that somebody in my family wasn't actively praying for me, that I wasn't around that prayer. You know, mm -hmm. if I was at my Mimi and Papa's house, 
like there there was nothing um, that I can think of that would distract them from making sure that the Holy Spirit was in that home. Mm-hmm. Um, very much the same way with my parents, and so I, I just I can't begin to describe how fortunate that I am. And you know, if there's a generational blessing in my family, um, we're not wealthy people, but you know, spiritually wealthy. Mm-hmm. My family is is spiritually wealthy, and I mean, especially my Mimi and Papa and, and my parents. But and so when I was six, you know, I was just like, oh yeah, it wasn't a moment where I was like. I came to my parents, it's like, oh, I believe in God, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. It was a, let's get me baptized, because I believe this my whole life, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never gone a day in my life where I didn't acknowledge the fact that God was Lord. Right. Um, well, let, let me ask yeah. you this, because you're showing a, a pattern of acceptance, but so many people accept it, but yet they don't live it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and so that's that's the next part of my testimony. Okay. Um, I had no idea what grace meant at six years old. I had no idea what the weight of sin was at six years old. I believe that I was a child of God at six years old because with every part of my body, I believe that Jesus was the Son of God. I believe that he was the Messiah. I believe that, you know, when I hit my brother, that that was a problem and that Jesus died on the cross for me. I didn't understand the weight of that. You were still human, and you still... I was still a child. (laughs) Yeah. And so when I was, you know, so from that point forward, at at least once a week we were in church. Um, We never missed Sundays. Sometimes I would try to talk my parents into going home after Sunday school because I didn't want to sit through a boring sermon. Mm -hmm. Um, You kids don't know how lucky you have it with Amanda putting that stuff together for you, but, um, you you know, there were times where... I didn't understand why we needed to be in church for three hours a week. Um, anyways, so about the time that I was 15, um, I had already started losing friends because I was a Christ follower, but I still hadn't really matured beyond that six-year-old faith where I, I knew some Bible verses and I knew what Scripture said, but it didn't really have a bearing or an impact on on how I operated, other than the fact that I just knew that I was a Christian. Mm-hmm. But it was more of a cultural faith, I think, at that point, just because of my family. Um, not not discounting the saving grace that Jesus had in my life, but it didn't mean a whole lot to me to be a follower of Christ at that point. And so when I was 15, we, I, I, I didn't like going to summer camps. I liked staying at home and sleeping late and playing video games and playing hockey on my driveway and my youth pastor, Brian, um, bugged me and bugged me and bugged me until I decided to go to um, this camp at Oklahoma Baptist University. It was in 2003. Um, and and I, I don't know what night of the week it was, probably Wednesday. Um, everybody's worshiping and they're doing an altar call. And, and man, I just feel God call me to, to, be, to be different, to be real. Mm-hmm. The... Um, and did I, it start just right when you walked in, or had he been working on your... Man, it, it was just that evening. So it was just a camp, and, and I just remember being, uh, just being there and having fun, and, and man, that worship started, um, and then the sermon, and then we get to uh, the end of it, you know, the, it, it's a camp experience, so they're doing the big, huge worship set at the end of the sermon, and... Right. Um, Everybody got up to worship, and, and I just felt 
like hands on my shoulders pushing me down in my chair like no you're gonna you're gonna think and you're gonna talk and and you're gonna pray with me and I just really felt God convicted me not that I wasn't saved but um that I needed to be authentic with my faith and that I needed to make it a real faith and that I needed to to not recommit my life because I don't know that my life had ever been fully committed to him um so it was then at 15 that that I believe that my life started to change and um so I told my youth pastor and and he had kind of seen God working in me that week too in that year and and so sure enough I'm like oh yes I'm I'm on fire now I'm I'm a, I'm going to live my life for Christ and I'm going to start making some changes and start declaring his word to all the people that I know and be a light on the hockey team and and then the next night comes and the same thing happens and God's like, okay, now you're going to be in ministry. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't think you understand. I was just committing to be a disciple last night. And then God gave me 24 hours before he called me to take the next step and to be in student ministry. And so from the time that I was 15. Um, well, let's, let's yeah. back up. You said, no, no, no. Yeah. And then what happened? So did God, what did God say about that or how did that uh, you went from no, no, yeah. no to obviously you accepted. So did you struggle? Did you wrestle? Oh, you just gave up? What for, happened? For a long time. Um, so God called me to ministry. And and I think I remember actually being pretty like fired up about it. Um, and so I told Brian and he was like, yeah, I know. I was like, it's weird how youth pastors know these things. And um, and so, man, that that's, that's kind of where my life started going. And then I get to my junior year in high school and... I kind of discover a passion for writing and for journalism. Mm -hmm. And so I, I about faced and I was like, no, nope, no more youth ministry. And that's kind of where the struggle started. And I was like, I just want to be, I want to be a sports journalist and I want to be a writer. And so I got involved in, in UIL and journalism and I did really, really well. Um, I got a letter jacket from that that I never wore because why would you wear a UIL letter jacket when you've got a hockey one? Um, and so I never... I never thought that much of it until later into my senior year when, you know, my journalism teacher started talking to me in junior year and took me on a campus visit to North Texas. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is way cooler than student ministry. Um, little did I know that, that that is not what God wanted for me. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got first in every event that I did up until regionals um, or area which is like right before you go to state. And I did four different events and I got fourth in all four of them, which means that I was one spot away from going to state in all four events. And so it was kind of at that moment where I was like, okay. I was like, okay, so we're not, we're not doing the journalism thing. And it, and it's pretty interesting. I, I got a, um, I burned out real hard that next year that my senior year on that I was on newspaper staff and I didn't really have any real classes my senior year so pretty much all of my investment was in was in church and hockey and newspaper staff and there's a lot of work that goes into being an editor on a newspaper staff and I mean I just burned out real hard and, and towards the end of the year I just I felt God telling me that I needed to get out and so mm -hmm. I had one six weeks left in the school year and I went and talked to the counselor, and she was like, "Wait, you wanna, you wanna, drop transfer out of this class with one six weeks left?" And I was like, "Yep." And so I spent 
I spent the last six weeks of the school year in digital graphics and animation just messing around on a computer because God told me to, to leave journalism. Um, and so I... So it sounds like you're getting a little radical now. That's a, that's, that's a hard thing to do, to, mm. to go and take yourself out of something. That's not an easy road. Yeah. That but, would be hard. But God, God is pretty good in my life. I, I don't like moving on. I don't like closing doors. Um, God is really good for me in, in making those decisions pretty easy when it comes time. And so as much as I love journalism, it got to the point where I was, I was done. Mm-hmm. And, and I went from loving it to being done in a matter of, matter of weeks probably. Um, and I don't know if it's, it's as much as God closing doors. There's no animosity. There's right. no burnt bridges. It's just like I'm done. And so it wasn't hard. Um, and, and, you know, as soon as I made that decision, my options for college changed dramatically um, I had a visit with a guidance counselor and my, and my next youth pastor, Joel. Um, I was actually in his office mm-hmm. instead of in journalism or newspaper staff because I just needed to go talk to him. Um, and so it was, in his, it, it was in his office at our church when I was supposed to be in school um, that, a, that a, rep, a representative from Southwest Baptist University was there. Um, talk with her. She sold me on the college, and then I found out that both Brian and Joel, my two youth pastors, had graduated from that school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I transferred and did the youth ministry thing, and met Sharon there. And it was it was up until I had kids. I mean, it was the greatest four years that that I could spend. And you know, God, God was good. Well, that that is awesome. Uh, so I'm going to push it a little bit further that it says, I tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come. Now, th- this is the next verse 25 in chapter 5. Tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So as a, as a minister, as a, uh, a youth pastor, you have the the opportunity and really the burden to share with young people and according to the word of god the stakes are pretty high because it says for there is a time coming when the the dead and we will all die unless we're alive when christ comes back will hear the voice of the lord okay all that are Mm -hmm. all will and it says uh, and those who hear will live uh, so basically, Jesus, in verse 28, it says, Do not amaze at this, for a time is coming when who are in their grace will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So uh, that is what you knew in your heart from an early age, and your family prayed and, and basically helped usher you into that 
that that reward. They you did you you weren't saved based on on theirs, but it, you said at six years old you made that decision yourself, mm -hmm. and then you matured later. Um, but you are, and and I also have that responsibility to share with others, so that people we run across in life that we love will make the right choice. Uh, what do you, how, how do you, what do you feel about that? And how, is that a burden to you or how do you go about so dealing with that? If I'm in the right headspace, it's not a burden. Um, I'm very, um, very, very grateful um, that God has called me to do this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I've tried at different times in life to, to pursue a different career even as an adult, and it's just a big fat no. I, I don't. That's right. not. That's not who God created me to be. And so, um, as long as my life is full of Jesus, mm -hmm. as long as I have um, people that I'm allowing to pour into me, and as long as I'm seeking God's will and being in God's word, it's it's so much more of a privilege. Um, now I do feel burdened at times when. I don't see students making great decisions. Right. Um, that it, just hurts, right? And, and, and I, I wear that too. And so it's, I, I, I don't ever feel burdened by having to, you know, be a minister. Um, but I do feel burdened like I have some responsibility for, for what they're doing. Right. And, and I don't know that I do. Um, I don't. It's it's their lives. Well, as it's, long as you instill the truth yeah. in them, but... as long as I am. So so there there are there's two passages, um, two verses that that really drive everything I do in ministry. Um, one of them is um, is the latter part of or the middle part of Romans ten. It says, in starting in nine, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And then verse 14 says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And then Ephesians 6:19, which has been the biggest one for me in recent years, it says, And pray for me. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles. Um, uh, the NIV, I think, says, Pray also for me that words may be given me, so that when I open my mouth, I will make known the mystery of the gospel. And, you know, that's that's what I feel is my job and my call. And, and so if I, if I follow through with that... Um, you know that that's really all we can do as ministers, right? It's to openly declare the gospel. But yeah, for right. students, when when they're deciding to walk away from the Lord or they're deciding to pursue dating relationships as opposed to their relationship with the Lord, and um, it hurts sometimes. Right. Um, Going to shift gears just a little bit, and this is a little bit. Uh, uh, Used to seem like it'd be far way out there, but uh, it's really not. But in the, in the day that we live, uh, I've I've been impressed by the Lord to start to re read Revelation again, and I've read a lot of the prophetic scriptures about the end times, what it's going to be like. And one thing I always tucked in the back of my mind that one of the the things that it's 
the, Bible, the Word of God says is that in the end times, there will be a great deception that even the, the elect or those who are believers and followers of Christ will be deceived. And the, God's Word says, except the time be cut short. Um, so there will be things that happen. I've always had that in the back of my mind because I studied prophetic scriptures a long time ago and, and then I, I just felt like that was preparation for maybe this time in my life. I don't know. But uh, right now in the country that we live in, things have drastically changed in the last year. There's a, you know, the cancel culture is trying to cancel out uh, a lot of things that I think are really good things. It, mm. it's, it's as if uh, in some ways some good is bad and bad is good. Uh, there are movements to reset, which means that instead of a sovereign nation, we would just become part of a world mm. uh, nation, uh, just a part of the world's nations that we won't, we would lose our sovereignty, that uh, we, uh, that there will be a world religion, that there will be a one world uh, currency, a one world order, a one world religion, and that the, uh, as a Christian, we are just, our beliefs will be said, no, there's, mm-hmm. there's not just one way to God, because Jesus Christ said, yeah. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so that sets uh, Christianity apart from all the other world religions. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not, that's not my opinion or yours. It's, it's, that's based on the Bible. Uh, and I want you to, because that's part of the struggle that you have to fight against mm-hmm. and, and try to set the truth. Uh, what do you see happening in, in that arena from, from your perspective right now? What do you see? Man, I, I see an attack from the enemy. Um, I think that his first goal was wildly successful and that he wanted to divide our, our nation. Um, I, I think that for a while the United States has been like this beacon of hope for the world and and you know we've stood on for the most part like a christian worldview and um the united states has always been kind of associated with with that um and so i think i think we're getting towards the end i think that he's breaking up definitely that unity in our country and americans hate each other now i mean like you look at um just the the animosity going around and is an example that well, has... It's not exactly... Yeah. Well, a lot of times we, you know, like the word hate, we don't necessarily... Well, it's hard to explain, but there's a lot of hate, but if you got those two individuals together, they'd find they had a lot in common. Yeah. But the, the idea that if you have a... Like, you align yourself with mm-hmm. one side, you auto, you're automatically hated by someone yeah. else that... And, and so there's... There's two different ones that that I see becoming very prevalent. And for people that live in Santa, maybe we don't see it that much. But uh, if you have a patriotic worldview, you are now almost an enemy of the majority state in our country. Like you look at the... Or at least that's what's being being projected by... Yeah, I mean, patriotism is, is part of cancel culture now. I mean, like, you look at the Mavericks who just made, you know, Mark Cuban said, hey, we're not going to have the national anthem before games. And then the NBA made a statement about how, yes, you are, 
And then the Stars came out just because they're sharing an arena with the Mavericks that said, hey, we are also going to have a national anthem at every game. We're going to continue to honor our military and soldiers. And then to just see the backlash from that statement from fans that are now going to boycott the Mavericks and Stars because they're going to play the national anthem. And so we're very much moving into a period in American culture where patriotism and conservatism and Christianity are going to all be part of cancel culture very soon. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of it's kind of funny you say that because that statement by, by Mark Cuban created a backlash from the other side. Mm-hmm. And so it, what it's doing is dividing people and... And, and, uh, and so, and I agree with you. I don't think that people inherently hate one another. Um, but the worldview problem is going to become more and more and more prevalent. Right. Like from, from today until the day that Jesus comes back, the divide between a Jesus worldview mm-hmm. and a non-Jesus worldview, that's only going to be a greater divide from this point forward. Right. Do you see the possibility? Because I, I weigh this out in my mind. Mm-hmm. It's just so I'm prepared that there could come a time mm-hmm. when because of your belief that you could um, not only suffer from a, can- a cancel culture, but that you could actually suffer, be persecuted for your beliefs in such a way that would be different than what it's been in the past, I'll put it that way. Yes, absolutely. I think that um, the closer that we get to the return of Jesus, the more, two things, the more that the, the church is going to have to mimic the first century church to survive mm-hmm. and to grow, but also the persecution that the first century church faced, we're going to face the same persecution. Right. I don't think it's going to be any different. Right. Well, and it, but according to the word, it may it as far as from a perspective of of, of God and, and Jesus, that actually may be a good thing because it actually may cause the church to grow. I mean, the more it was persecuted in the in the old, te- or you know, after after Jesus left, the, it caused the church to explode. And and so, I hear people talk that there's going to be a great awakening, mm-hmm. a great revival, and. Uh, Cancel culture, no matter how hard it tries, cannot cancel that. Or no. because, uh, well, that is really good, uh, man. I really appreciate your word, your testimony. Uh, I appreciate you being mm-hmm. here and, and blessing us, because uh, I know you're extremely talented and 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 uh, you could go into the world and and no and make no telling how much money or or these type things but you have chosen to serve the Lord and you're you've accepted being right here where you're at and I really appreciate uh, you being here and uh, being a part of my life and a part of a, this church's life um, well God's word is good and uh, just uh, we'll want to reiterate that that Jesus said that there is going to be a day when he comes back and and when he does his voice will penetrate all humanity whether living or dead and if you know him he will we will we will go to be with him at that point and we will be judged on based on whether we accepted him and then we'll be rewarded based on what we've said and we've done with what we knew um, 
So anyway, that, that is the truth, and that, that can't be done away with, and I'm, I'm thankful to be able to say that. Well, John David, you have anything else? And if you yeah. don't, let's close this in prayer when you're ready. I want to finish with this verse. Um, it's Philippians 3.20. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as Savior. And what would you say to someone who is not a citizen of heaven? I haven't accepted Christ at this point. Hey, um, it's very easy to see um, the brokenness in our world, the, the state yeah. of things, COVID, and um, just the dissension and and this divide. Um, I mean, it's it's just just get, just open up social media, which is a terrible thing. But open up social media, and you can see how much people are trying to destroy just the unity amongst one another. And you can see very, very clearly um, that we're not made for this. We were not created for this. God created Adam and Eve to, to be with him. God created humans to walk with him and to live in um, a perfect place with him. We were not created to handle guilt. We were not created to handle shame. We were not created to even know what sin was. Um, this ain't our home, and, and so I am. I am. What it means to be a citizen of heaven is to be um, a child of God, which means that your inheritance will be with Him in heaven, and um, that comes from you know admitting that that you are like Adam and Eve, admitting that you're a mess up and that you sinned, and and that you need Jesus, and then believing that He died for you to pay the price for your sin, and. And then you become a child of God. You devote your life to Him, and and that becomes your citizenship. It's not of this world. So it's, I mean, I, I was born physically as an American citizen, and I'm very, I'm trying to change my attitude from being very proud to be an American to just being very grateful that God blessed me with that. Right. Um, because one is giving my allegiance to my nation and one is giving my allegiance to my Lord and then being thankful that I'm here. Right. Like, don't get me wrong. I love being an American, USA, 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 but um, I am a citizen of heaven. And, and that is so much more profound because if your citizenship lies in this earth, this is the very best that you'll ever have. Yeah. And when did that citizenship happen? You know, um, does it happen when you die, or did it happen when you accepted Christ? It happens when you accept Christ. Um, you I, become you become a child of God in that moment, and and you know what? Like we're not in heaven right now, um, but, but heaven that, is residing in you. Isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's true. I mean, right here. the Holy Spirit is with me at all times. Um, I can communicate with my Father in heaven whenever I want. Um, I have the saving grace of Jesus. I have the ability to love like Jesus now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that that's important. I mean, if I didn't know Jesus, I couldn't be a good parent. Right. Well, all righty. Well, that's awesome stuff, and I appreciate it. Mm. Why don't you close us this yep. morning? God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for just the ability to uh, to just share my, my, my story. Um, there, there's so much more to it. Um, because every single day you shower me with grace and with mercy and um, there's not enough time in a 30-minute chat about everything that you've done for me but I hope that that we glorify you I hope that that the words that came out of our mouth today today um, would just show everybody who's watching and listening how much we love you and how thankful that we are for the impact you've made in our lives and for 
the payment that you paid for us on the cross. Um, I thank you so much for Mark and for his dedication to this to this ministry, um, his dedication to this church and to, to me and my family. Um, we, we couldn't do the ministry here at the church without people like Mark, and, and we need them very much. And so I thank you for that. Um, God, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All righty.